everybody, and welcome to- oh, hold on. Yeah, crap. There we go, there we go. <laughs> Sorry about that. <laughs> Hello everybody, and welcome to Thumbs Up or Down, You Decide. I am Eric Trapel. I'm Melissa Leach. And yes, it has been a while since we last recorded, but we're back and that's all that matters. Um, <laughs> I, I could- sorry, I could still hear, like, your- the, the TV going on in the background. <laughs> yeah, unfortunately I can't, uh, turn that down. Mom's refusing to let me do that since she needs some kind of entertainment. Hopefully it's not too much of a bother. Hold on, let me just, uh, see if I can... Okay, there we go. Um, that's a little better. Um, alright. <laughs> so... I can also hear you better. Oh, that's good. <laughs> Uh, anyways, uh, today we are, uh, tonight we are going to be talking about, uh, the top 10 worst films of 2021, which, uh, uh, but also, uh, quite a, quite a lot has happened, uh, between the two of us. Uh, we've both pretty much ended up moving across the, uh, different sides of the country. Uh, I'm of course back in California and Melissa's in North Carolina. Um, mm -hmm. Definitely made it a little bit hard to, like, coordinate our times uh, better, but on the plus side, we're here now, and that's all that matters. So, um, uh, I've been able to at least try to keep myself uh, up to date with a few movies here and there, uh, enough to where I can make a top ten list. Um, I, I know I kind of slipped up last year of uh, kind of skipping on doing one of 2020, but if people want to know what my worst of 2020 was... Um, Worst film of that year was Capone. Um, did you have a worst of 2020? I'm actually looking up the movies that came out in 2021 because, honestly, I can't remember all of them. Mm -hmm. And not only do I not remember all of them, I don't think I have seen all of them, most importantly. So I'm kind of... Um, Okay, Eternals, yeah, I saw, I saw those, I saw that, uh, I didn't see any of those, I saw that. So, are we including movies that, are, are, are we including movies that, uh, released on Netflix, or is it just the ones that released in theaters? No, we're counting Netflix movies as well. Okay, um. Because, mind you, I'm, I am seeing some stuff on Netflix that I've watched, uh, or at least at least one. I know I'm, I'm seeing at least one. Um, one moment. Getting a water. Yeah, I never saw that one. Uh, so I definitely know I at least saw one that came out on Netflix. Um, definitely, I think, know what out of all the ones I've seen was the worst one for me. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, we, we've seen a lot of bad movies, but we've also seen a lot of decent movies. Um, Same here. Okay, here's the thing. There's a particular movie that I'm, I'm, I'm seeing on here that a lot of mixed reviews. People either loved it or they hated it. When I saw the trailer, uh, I knew 
I wasn't going to be watching this because of how awful the it looked just from the trailer alone. Um, however, I've never actually seen it. I just have heard so many people say how bad it was, including my dad. Mm. Um, however, I refused to because when I there was a certain part in the trailer that I was like, no, I'm not watching this shit. <laughs> Um, that movie was the movie Old. Oh. I'm only mentioning this because the, what I was going to say that I have seen that I, I didn't hate it, but it was the worst one I saw was Reminiscence. Ah. <laughs> um, <clears throat> shall we, opinion, uh, shall we actually get, had, uh, get started on the list then? Sure. Um... In that case, uh, let me then start off with uh, my number 10, which... Uh, so is, is 10 the, the one you're saying is the worst for you? Uh, no, number 10 is uh, uh, is probably the least bad uh, in terms of like these 10 lists. Uh, 10 I, so I just want to make sure. Got it. All right. Uh, but anyways, uh, number 10 for me is uh licorice pizza mm. <laughs> actually that was another one that's but there's there's three films that two of those the one you just mentioned old i have never seen but i was told by several that they were awful mm -hmm. um so based on what everyone told me uh i chose to stay ignorant and chose not to watch them because I wasn't going to waste my time. But yeah, the third, like said, Reminiscence, I did actually see. Didn't hate it, but yeah. I'm sorry, go ahead. <laughs> I just had that in, I, I'm not in there. No worries. Uh... <laughs> because I completely, because honestly, I completely forgot about licorice pizza. <laughs> I completely forgot to, about it until you said it. I was like, oh wait, yeah, that did come out. Yeah, yeah I like... know that. This is, uh, and I know a lot of, uh, film bros are gonna get upset like this, like, uh, how could you talk down about Paul Thomas Anderson? Well, I can talk about it bad, because not every Paul Thomas Anderson film is good. Example, this one. Or, as I like to call it, call me by your name for straights. Because that's basically what it is. It's basically, if Army Hammer was replaced with an adult woman, that, and instead of being set in Italy, it's set in America. Where... Yeah, because um, we we had talked about Call Me By Your Name um, before, and we kind of uh, discussed that, yeah, being in a different country, it's like, I can understand, like, you know, there are some differences in terms of, like, uh, age limit laws, but with this one being set in America, it's like, it's a whole different ball game, especially when it is... Um, <clears throat> So basically what it is, is it's about a young Hollywood actor who ends up falling in love with this 25-year-old uh, woman who he met at a picture day when she was volunteering. And then they start to hit it off, even though she clearly states to him, it's like, I don't want to date you. So it's like, imagine if a 15-year-old, like a freshman high schooler, trying to groom an adult woman. It's... It, it really does not play well. And it's like, I, especially when there are scenes where it's like, uh, there, he's trying out these different, like get rich quick schemes, like trying to 
start up his uh, waterbed salesman store, and one of the ways he tries to attract customers is having the woman uh, parade herself around in a bikini. Like, it, it just adds on to just how uncomfortable it is. And it's like, I get it was the 70s, but I'm pretty sure a lot of these things were still unacceptable at the time. Um, I don't mean to interrupt, but because of the fact that we are talking about this movie and I actually discussed this movie with another uh, friend of mine, I feel the need to add her comments because uh, I feel it's relevant here. Well, go ahead. She actually asked. She actually asked me if I'd seen the movie. I told her no. Basically, the same thing. I told you that based on the trailer alone, I was not going to watch it or not. No, sorry, not the trailer. When I saw the poster, I said, uh, "No, I'm not watching that shit." It, it, based on the name alone, I knew it was going to be fucking stupid. Okay, sorry, not sorry. However, mm -hmm. I told her that, and she said, "The movie Licorice Pizza." I told her, I said, uh, I, I don't know why anyone would name a movie that, okay, I just, I, whatever, but whatever. She said, I found out that Licorice Pizza, because I know that you had questions about this, mm -hmm. why they called the movie that. So I found out that Licorice Pizza was the name of this, some old record store in uh, Southern California, actually, but they never mentioned this in the movie once at all, which is goofy, but whatever, obviously you, you agree. And she said, and the movie is literally horrible said the age gap and to put that in quotes is literally pedophilic uh and the main lady she said the main lady is a groomer so i, I i'm you know not sure but there's also pretty disconnected and very random and part of what anderson said was that it was just a bunch of things that he remembered growing up in the 80s even though the movie's set in 73 said it anyways it's stupid racist and a disgusting story it's definitely not worth seeing and the good reviews i've seen from people are disgusting people who are okay with these things oh yeah that's another thing i need to talk about like just the uncomfortable racism in this movie because uh there's a certain character who owns um a japanese restaurant because his wife is japanese and uh he does this really offensive accent to her like pretending to speak japanese to her but it's like clearly uh, English, which is, uh, pretending English? to talk. Yeah, that's best, that's the best way I could, uh, it's basically when you're pretending to talk with a Japanese accent, but you're using all of your L's, uh, using R's instead of L's. When I found that out, it, like, those are the moments that just, like, really were unsettling to me, uh, especially, like, but yeah, like, when you mentioned how, uh, Licorice Pizza is the name of a record store, because, like, I didn't know why the film was called that because my first inclination was that um, there's a part in the movie where uh, the, the the woman is trying to audition for like uh, a few different films. And I, I figured like one of the films that she was auditioning for would have been called Licorice Pizza. Uh, but it's not. It's like a unicorn something or whatever. The, the only part that I actually thought was genuinely funny that actually made me laugh was when... She uh, gets on a motorcycle with Sean Penn, who plays this stunt actor, and it's like, uh, as he, like, floors it and takes it off, she just flies back uh, in a still position to the ground, and I was like... <laughs> okay. like, it, like, it just mostly made me laugh, because like, it was just so out of nowhere, like, oh, okay. Like, I thought she was holding on tight to the guy, but it's like, oh, that just happened. Um... 
and there have been several moments where it's like, uh, like she clearly says that she has no interest in him, but then it's like when he goes off to be with some other girl or, uh, uh, she gets jealous, and then when she's off going off being with someone else, uh, like Sean Penn's character, for example, uh, he then gets jealous. The one thing that really caught me off guard especially was uh, Bradley Cooper, who plays the film director John Peters and uh, ex-husband of Barbara Streisand. But you could have easily cut him out of the movie, and it's like it wouldn't have made, made a difference. Like especially that part where you see in the trailer where he just goes crazy on somebody's side view of mirrors. Like that's at the end credits of the movie. I, I would have, ex cause they do le ditch him at a gas station at one point when his car breaks down, but, and they have to take him to go get gas or something. But uh, then afterwards, it's like, uh, you don't see what happens to him or even the aftermath of that character. It's like the last time you see him is that, He's just roaming around drunk as a skunk and then just, like, asking random ladies on the street. It's like, hey, do you like peanut butter sandwiches? Like, what? It's kind of like if Paul Thomas Anderson was trying to make a mix between Call Me By Your Name and Once Upon a Time in Hollywood, but forgot what actually made those films endearing. Like, granted, Brad Pitt's character does get hit on by a underage girl who turns out was a member of the Manson family. But at the very least, he had the common courtesy to say, like, nope. And then it wasn't even the main focus of the movie anyway. Interesting. Yeah, so um, I I'm just going to say my comments that I've said on Twitter. It's like, if you're one of those people who actually likes this movie, you're a pervert. And possibly a racist. <laughs> yes, very racist. Um, yeah, so that's Licorice Pizza. Uh, not a fan. Uh, yeah, I, I, I don't have to watch the movie. No, I'm probably not a fan either. <laughs> I do not recommend it. Um, yeah. Moving on to uh, my number nine, which I know you've been excited to talk about. Reminiscence. Yep. Well, not really excited, but... Okay, here's the thing. I didn't hate it. Okay? Mm -hmm. I've seen worse. True. <laughs> Much worse. <laughs> Concept. I understand what they were trying to do. It just wasn't executed very well. Yeah, and it's kind of disappointing because uh, this was uh, done by the creators of Westworld, uh, as I found out. Um, and from what I've been told, Westworld is a damn good show. I haven't seen a single episode of it, but I was told it is a very, very good show. So I was um, a little shocked by that when I went to go see this movie I was like wait what happened <laughs> yeah um yeah because uh, I remember watching this on uh, HBO Max with uh, my brother and his fiance when this came out um and uh, and I do like Jonathan Nolan I think he's uh when it comes to writing I think he's the better half of the Nolan brothers <laughs> um I mean I do give credit Chris is a good director uh when it comes to, like, writing the scripts, I feel like when he works with Jonathan Nolan, I think uh, that's when he's at his strongest. But, yeah, when they're separate, it's, like, it's a little problematic, and this is an example of that. Because um, the best way I could describe it is that it's basically, like, uh, it, it's like trying to make a mix between, uh, what's the film I'm thinking of? Um, 
I, I know I'm thinking of the Maltese Falcon because that's what a lot of people have been referencing that it's similar to, but... Uh, the, the, you know, the... I, I, I should... No, the Maltese Falcon, I'm not going to lie to you, the only time I actually saw that movie was in school and I fell asleep for the entire game thing. I'm not going to lie to you. The, 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 yeah. When we were in school, the minute that those light, the, the, that our teachers turned the lights off, it was snoozeville for me, and I don't give a shit what the movie was. There was only one movie I did not fall asleep to, and that was The Proposal, when um, Michael Tylo, rest in peace, that man, uh, when, when he showed the, uh, the proposal in, in um, one of his classes, uh, I think it was for, um, I think, Intro to Acting or something like that, he showed The Proposal... And I also think I believe he showed um, Star Trek. I think the very first film was Zachary Quinto and Chris Pine. Interesting choice. So, yeah, those, those two movies I, I were probably the only ones I didn't fall asleep for, partly because I'd already seen them before and I already liked the movies. Everything else, I don't give a shit what the movie was. <laughs> anyway, getting sidetracked. Hello. Um, yeah, that, that was uh, Maltese Falcon. That was one movie that... Uh, Keenan Diaz actually showed this class, and that was the first time I ever watched it. Fell asleep through the, immediately. So, uh, yeah, I ha- I cannot contribute to that. <laughs> yeah, no, that's okay. At least not part of the conversation. Sorry. Yeah, if it makes you feel any better, I fell asleep at Citizen Kane in one of my classes. Oh dear God, I fell asleep at that <laughs> <me> too. <laughs> I couldn't, I couldn't uh, do it. I couldn't do it, dude. Yeah, but uh, going back to Reminiscence real quick, uh, I do agree. It, it is one of those films where it's like it did have a good concept, but it just didn't have a strong enough execution. It's like you could definitely see the ideas and the very imaginative like concepts that they wanted to go with, but it's like uh, to kind of like wrap it around a lot of uh, recycled uh, film noir uh, cliches, it's like it just... I don't know how to like find the right words to describe it other than just disappointing. Like that's pretty much the best way I could put it. Like especially considering it had uh, a lead like Hugh Jackman, like fresh off of uh, Logan and um, something else he did, but I for- I'm probably forgetting. But because under I feel like under the right director, like I think maybe like someone like Guillermo del Toro, uh, it probably would have. Uh, been very good because uh i recently saw nightmare alley where it's like he tackled something more of like a more grounded drama and i I definitely felt like he was a little bit more stronger for like something like that sorry i just i i i i I remembered a a movie that i had watched this that came out last year that i that was like one of my absolute favorites and i completely forgot um I had forgotten what the movie until literally just now when you when you so I I somehow I don't know if it was something you sparked or if it was just me looking at the pictures and and the movie just came right up I I don't know but it I was because I was writing my list down I was like no I probably should organize my thoughts here so we have like you know something to you know work towards and the movie just okay I was like oh my god okay yeah and it's actually one of the, one of the best ones so. <laughs> ah well, that's good are you talking about Tenet maybe. <laughs> I don't know if that came out last year, did it? <laughs> uh, it came out in 2020, because I remember... In 2020. Oh, whatever. <laughs> but it's still good movie, people. still good movie. At least I liked it. <laughs> Agree to disagree. <laughs> At least that's my take. <laughs> <laughs> what, 
That'd be the first time I've done passion. <laughs> I, I mean, granted, I get, I tried giving it another oh, try on Blu-ray, but even my mom and uh was telling me it's like, what is going on? <laughs> the Asian. Uh... No, I know what you're talking about. I know what you're talking about. How about the other one with the guy from uh, Stranger Things? Are you talking about Ghostbusters? No. Are, are you talking about the guy who played Ghostbusters? No! He didn't play in Ghostbusters! Okay, so it's not Finn Wolfhard. Okay, so it's not Finn Wolfhard. the guy in, in, in Stranger Things. The cop in Stranger Things. Oh! Oh! David Harbour! Whoa, okay, now I know who you're talking about. I don't know the movie you're talking about, but I, I know the guy, at least. At least I know where to go from it here, because I was like, that, who? With that other actress, um... The other actors from uh... Black Widow. Yes. Oh. Yes. Okay. Okay. Yeah. I. I was like, I wasn't sure where you were going. I was like, what? <laughs> <laughs> I thought about the Wolfhard. I was like, we. He was in Ghostbusters. I was like, I'm sorry. <laughs> that kid's in a lot of movies, all right? I'm sorry. He, that kid is in a lot of movies. He okay? is. He is. Um, and mind you, not in any way, shape, or hate him, dude. He's a very good actor. No, I, I like Ben Wolfhard. Uh, but. Admittedly, actually, Black Widow, I liked it. Wasn't one of my favorites. Same. <laughs> Better than Reminiscence. <laughs> there was a whole lot last year that was like, oh, I'm not saying I, I, I hated Black Widow. I'm just saying it, it wasn't like my absolute like end all be all for best movie of all time. Mm. Although it wasn't the worst movie I've ever seen. Definitely better than a lot of movies we're naming on here. Better yeah, and, and, and I definitely wouldn't say... I definitely also wouldn't say Black Widow was the worst comic book movie that came out in 2021. Oh, God, no. Uh, I'm I actually going to get to that next. Uh, but uh, was there anything we're, we were missing about Reminiscence? For, for me... I muted it, Mom, because it was getting loud. Okay, so sorry. Probably did when you were giving birth to me. All right. <laughs> uh, when it comes to reminiscence, like I said, it was it wasn't bad, but it wasn't what previews made look like. Well, that 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 was with mom. I I know with mom she because the trailer for it made it look. And mind you, I'm not gonna because in case no one's seen it, I'm trying not to give spoilers here. Or at least not too many. Unless that's what this, unless that's not a factor here, I don't know. I mean, go ahead, because, like, there are some things about, I mean, it's been a few months since it came out, and plus, I'm actually trying to remember parts of that movie, actually. Well, it's just... I remember how it looked. It was very unorganized. Mm-hmm. I will admit, the graphics were amazing. I did like, it, it, the, 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 it was an interesting film. It was interesting. However, it wasn't... It was very unorganized. Um, it wasn't executed properly. And it was very misleading to what you saw from the trailer. Because the trailer made you believe that he was, like, trying to find his wife or something like that. And what... Or at least that was what I got from the trailer, yeah, from the trailer that I that I saw too. Because I saw the I first saw reminiscence in theaters, and I was like, "Wow, okay, this is interesting." Mm-hmm. But 
and when it when it uh it kind of looked like it was delving deep into the mind and and psychology and I was like, okay this might be an interesting film but when you go to it it kind of is about psychology and like the mind and stuff like that but it takes um and oh oh very um uh very uh interesting and unexpected turn yeah uh i was gonna say like now i remember what uh movies i was thinking this reminded me of it was like a mix between maltese falcon inception and Waterworld, in a way inception uh definitely um yeah especially with that I, whole diving into dreams and memories i can see where you got Waterworld. i can see that um like i i i what uh, he said that the reminiscence reminded oh. him of a combination of a Maltese Falcon, Inception, and Waterworld. Waterworld because of the fact that the entire place was, was drowning, or it was, okay. it was in there was water. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, Inception, because obviously they're delving into the mind, the dreams, and stuff like that, which I, I, I honestly I can see. Mm-hmm. Maltese Falcon, I haven't, I fell asleep, so I can't say shit. <laughs> yeah, uh, I think it... Like not only finding uh, his uh, his wife, uh, which di- did she die actually in, in in the movie, like long ago? And hey, are you talking about Maltese Falcon? Or well, I'm talking about reminiscence. reminiscence. If I remember correctly, I think that she did, but I think it was an accident. If I'm not mistaken, unless it was either an accident or she was murdered, because I believe that there was two, I think, different female characters in that movie. That they were trying to find or deal with or yeah it was what one have of you i think it was one of his clients uh that somehow had a tie with uh one of his uh w- w- with some kind of mob or something i think the woman that he was in love with who he was trying to find because the bitch basically goes to him um basically uh uh she i if I remember, if memory serves me correctly, I believe she was had gotten into some heavy drugs. Ah. Honestly, I can't because honestly, I, I'm not gonna lie to people. The freaking movie itself is confusing. After a certain point, you're like, okay, what the hell's going on? I'm sorry, <laughs> I have to say this. The fight scene in that movie was one of the most boring fight scenes I've ever seen in my life. I've never, I've never literally, I've never gone into a movie and thought. Wow, the spikes is putting me to sleep. Yeah, like I, I, I agree with you on that because, like, I. It was. It just it ran and it just like never ended and I'm like, people, this shit's not even entertaining. It's just going on. Yeah, because the only thing I remember about any of the action scenes was that, was that one part where it's like Jackman is uh sinking into like this deep water pit or something and. Yeah, that's about it in terms of the action. Like, I, I think I remember, like, one... That, that, that's another thing. It's like, this is just a forgettable sci-fi film. And especially coming from someone like Jonathan Nolan, that's just really disappointing. But anyways... Just, uh, yeah, so it be, between the fight scene and just the unorganization and just every... It just... It, um, it had potential, but... Kind of like how I felt about Uncut Gems. It needed it needed some more work. Fair enough. Uh, 
Uh, I, I would definitely say I'm one of those people who would say Uncut Gems is a better film. Like, Yeah, I'm one degree to disagree on that one. Fair enough. I think they're both pretty awful. <laughs> I don't know if I'd go that far. <laughs> Uncut Gems is not the worst movie I've ever seen, but I wouldn't call it Adam Sandler's best, okay? But again, we'll, we'll agree on this because I know you, you, your, your feelings on that are uh, different from mine. Yeah. Um, anyways, moving um, on. Um, yeah. Number- oh, okay, so my, my freaking list here because I was, um, so here's the thing. I can't, I don't know if I can do a top 10, but, because there was a lot of movies that I really loved. Because honestly, there's a couple of movies here that I'm having a very, very hard time picking between. Although, one movie that I did like, I have to warn people about because, um, Unless you've read the book, it's going to be very difficult to understand what's going on. Mm-hmm. But we'll get to that when we get to that. Okay, fair enough. Uh, so what, what was your move, next movie? Uh, my number eight film is uh, my pick for the worst comic book movie of the year. Venom, Let There Be Carnage. <laughs> I was wondering what you were going to say about that, because I'm, I'm not going to lie to you. Uh... Okay. I never saw Venom. I'm, I'm, I, so, disclaimer, <laughs> I have to say this, because going forward, okay, I just, um, I have to say this, because it's, it's pertinent information here. I'm over the whole male superhero thing, okay? I'm sorry, I am. It's, I just, I'm, I want more uh, powerful women action stars comic book care okay that's what i want i am so tired and, and and over the whole male superhero bullshit okay i am done with it i am tired after growing up with like two male cousins a brother and god is how many men who were obsessed with dc and marvel i'm just fed up with it <laughs> i've had enough especially with batman i'm so over batman it's not even funny don't get me started on that bullshit Oh no! Okay. I purposely did not say Venom. Oh. Oh yeah, I was gonna the, say like. Side note. Uh, did they have any more um, episodes of that coming out? Is that coming out soon with the new season or no? Um, I think they. Uh, I think what they're doing is they're doing a spinoff with uh, Agatha Hark, uh, Agatha the villain. Fine. Yeah, I mean it, it's still I'm something. This is why we can't have nice things, people. <laughs> Yeah, because uh, <laughs> they get ruined by by stupidity. Yeah, but uh, this the... is why. <laughs> but they're not having the WandaVision. So they're not ha- having the actual WandaVision anymore. Uh, I I don't know. That it, it's been kind of up in the air. Like um, what is that all about? It, it's been the same thing with like uh the latest spider-man movie it's like a lot of people were speculating uh if andrew garfield and toby Maguire were gonna be in it and they uh andrew kept on saying i'm not in the movie and then all of a sudden it turns out he was he just had to lie to like keep the speculation up <laughs> you lying whore funny enough a quote from emma stone to andrew garfield <laughs> when she found because she kept exactly. asking uh, not exactly, but it's like, uh, she was asking if he was in Spider-Man No Way Home, and when she saw the movie, her first immediate words are, you're a jerk. <laughs> yeah, that, that, that was really funny to hear. Um, but yeah, going over to Venom, Let There Be Carnage. Uh, Sorry, yeah, I, I 
I hadn't stayed that disclaimer because I, I purposely did not watch them because I'm, I'm kind of over it, but there is one that I will talk about later that I loved, but Venom, um, I saw clips of it in the movies, it seemed funny from what I saw, it also seemed really fucking loud. <laughs> I don't know if that was due to the movie theater, the movie theater's fault, or the movie itself was just really freaking loud, but yeah, it was very loud and it seemed funny, so I don't know. But well, we'll find out how what your feelings are with this. Well, uh, funny you should mention that because one of the weaknesses that Venom does have is loud noises. So it kind of makes sense that you would speculate it's a loud movie. Um, because I've seen both uh, Venom movies with uh, Tom Hardy and uh, Michelle Williams. Uh, both of them I do not like, but I will say this: I thought the first you one. Like, you, you don't like Tom Hardy. No, I love Tom Hardy. I and I thought he was a good and I thought he was a good choice for the character of Eddie Brock. I just thought he just had bad a bad script to work with. Which funny enough, the second film he gets co-writer credit because he improved so much of his dialogue. Interestingly enough, it's like with the sequel, it's like instead of getting the guy who worked on an uh, a previous Spider-Man movie, it's like, "Oh, instead of getting that guy, let's get the other co-writer of the first Venom." who wrote the script to Fifty Shades of Grey. And let's focus the second one more about, uh, Venny, uh, Venny. (laughs) Eddie and Venom's bisexual bromance. There's even a line in this movie where it's like... Yeah, I mean, there's even a part where it's like, uh, Venom, uh, gets into a fight with Eddie and then detaches himself onto, off of him and then onto another being... And the first thing he does is go to uh, a gay rave and says, Everyone, I am out of the Eddie closet. Like, the dialogue in this is just so corny and so bad. It's like, it felt like, I was even telling this to my brother as we were walking out. It's like, did this feel like it was written in the 80s? Or in the early 90s, like before the... 90s spider-man cartoon came out when venom was popular it felt i get a lot of people are saying it's like it was trying to be like uh old 90s comic book movies like um what was it uh batman and robin or spawn and all i'm thinking of is people those movies weren't good for a reason there's no nostalgia behind them unless you just have really poor taste i mean i have tasted films and that is not it as Woody Harrelson okay. would put it. <laughs> uh, yeah, that's another um, thing. Like, Woody Harrelson, he was an interesting choice for... God, what was his name? Uh, Cletus Cassidy. Uh, but going from, like, the director of Zombieland to Andy Serkis is so weird in tone. Like, you expected it to, like, really go, like, extremely violent, like it was promising. Especially for a film that has carnage in the title. But it's like it's about as tame as like uh, any other action film you would see like nowadays. That's PG thirteen. Yeah. I have no opinion, obviously. So I'll I'll, I'll take your word for it. Yeah. Um. There, there was actually a point I, where neither one of us have seen. <laughs> yeah, because um, I mean, I can let the first Venom go. Uh, I can give that some credit because it at least trying was at least trying to be like a, its own little thing without having to include Spider-Man. But this one, especially with the post-credit scene where it's like, 
oh hey guess what venom's now popping into a different universe maybe we might get him to fight spider-man like where the hell did that come from also spoilers for no way home because that just tells you what happens uh, yeah, so that's all I gotta say about Let There Be Carnage. A stupid sequel to a stupid movie. Take our advice, just go watch the movie Upgrade. It's pretty much the same movie, only it actually has some good directing behind it. I don't know if you've seen this, this next one for me. Mm-hmm. But I watched it when I was with my uh, when I was on vacation visiting my dad. My I watched it with my uh, dad and stepmom. Stillwater. I haven't seen that. Um, not bad, but not good. Um, it's I the three of us basically agreed that the main character is a little bit too much like my dad, and that um. <laughs> okay, so basically, what we decided was that this entire movie almost seemed like it was a movie about what would happen if, if the main character was me. I was in a situation, and my dad was put in this guy's situation because he's like, this, "This entire movie is, is me looking for you with freaking brass." Okay, this guy who uh, I think is from Oklahoma, I think. I can't remember exactly, but he's, he's uh, definitely from... Um, the Midwest? I don't want to... Kind of, yeah. Um, definitely redneck. Mm-hmm. Or, or, or redneck, redneck type. Um, kind of a uh, uh, fixer-upper guy. Um, does a lot of, of, of housework for people. Fixes a lot of shit. He, he ends up going to France because his daughter is, I think, on, I, I can't remember what the freaking term is for, but when you're not quite yet going to prison, but you're waiting for someone to, like, yeah, like, she, she was sentenced or, or whatever, but she, um, I guess she was accused of killing a woman in France, and she was trying to basically get out of it and, and trying to, uh, because I, I, she's basically trying to prove that she's innocent and that she didn't do it. Um, it wasn't the, me, it was the one-armed man. It, well, there's a, a guy who apparently uh, ends up finding out his daughter's a lesbian. Uh. Um, the woman that was killed, who she was uh, accused of murdering, was the woman that she was in love with. Um, I can't remember if it was stated that she actually did it or not, but I just remember that the guy hit for dad ended up befriending a French woman who was helping him talk to locals about where to find this kid to, to get him in there because he was trying, she, his daughter was trying to basically saying this guy was the one who did it, not me sort of thing and it is kind of confusing i kind of don't know what actually happened because it was kind of hard to follow but um he would basically start was ended up being in a relationship with this woman 
that was helping him find uh, locals and stuff like that to talk to. Um, and that entire relationship ended when um, he basically stole, finally found the guy who his daughter was talking about and stole him and, and tied him up and yada, yada, yada. Yeah, it, it, was, it was a weird-ass movie. Um, huh. Their entire, uh, his, his, the, the woman that was helping him found out what he did, called the cops, etc. And they, him and his daughter, he got his daughter free, but um, he, yeah, they ended up going back home to America, and it, it was a very, um, let's just say interesting movie. Hmm. Again, not bad, but not good either. Yeah, and I noticed, I'm looking at the IMDb page for it, uh, because it stars Matt, Matt Damon as the dad, right? Mm-hmm. Okay, I, I thought the vigilante thing was Ben Affleck's thing, but okay. Yeah, it it was it was uh, it was definitely uh, interesting movie, uh, weird movie also, but interesting nonetheless. And when my when me, you're definitely making my, it sound a lot more interesting than what it probably is. I probably am. I I'm trying to remember exactly details because like I li- I'm not even joking when I say that like the three of us basically agreed that the movie was basically what it would be like if I was in freaking prison in France and my dad was trying to get me out. <laughs> and cause I'm, I'm not even joking that some of the dialogue that Matt Damon uses in the movie, I swear to God, my, my dad himself would probably say to someone in France who he was trying to get help from. Because yes. he's looking at, literally at a website. It's all in fr- French. Or, France, hello. French. And he literally gets help from, I think... Some woman who was a, a businesswoman or a librarian or something, he's basically trying to get her to translate it for him. And his exact line was, excuse me, ma'am, I'm sorry, but I'm too much of a dumbass to understand all this and figure this out. Can you, can you please help me here? And I swear to God, my dad, when he heard that line, said, um, that's basically what I'd be saying to them. I'm, I'm too much of a dumbass to figure this shit out. I'm not even joking. My dad literally told Luke, he's like, you want to know what this is? This is me going to France looking for her if she was in freaking a, a French prison. He's like, this is literally what this shit is. It's me trying, going down there to try and get her out. I was like, yeah, pretty much. Like, I wouldn't be trying? I wasn't mentioning it. It literally, it's just like, because like when we saw this, I did not expect it to, like, I was like, wow because like honestly i think you both would i i think you probably would understand french more than he would but like i honestly but like yeah i just like i would see my mom and him but i was just like if 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 we both we both all three just basically agreed that if like i was like raised by him or something like that and i went to university in france and i was in trouble or something like like that it would literally matt damon's kitchen was my dad basically looking for me and getting trying to get me help out of French University. Like, that's literally what this film was. It was ridiculous. I was like, okay, interesting. So, yeah, that that was my, my number seven. It, it wasn't the worst I'd ever seen, but it definitely wasn't confusing. It was just kind of slow and not that exciting. Mm-hmm. It was kind of sad, to be honest with you. So, um, not the worst, but not not the best. And you said that was your I, number seven, right? Huh? You said that was your number seven, right? Yeah, so ten and, the well, the first two I haven't seen. I just know that they're freaking awful. Mm-hmm. Ten was old, nine was licorice pizza, 
Eight right. was reminiscent. Seven still water. Okay. Uh, What's your number six? <laughs> oh, uh, I think I'm actually on uh, my number seven now. Oh, my, my bad. Okay. What's your <laughs> uh, my number seven is Cruella, which... Oh, yeah. Yeah, which I still am just looking at as, like, Disney's attempt at doing a Joker movie, only nowhere near as interesting. Like it, it was trying. I to be... saw that. I saw. I saw it. I have mixed feelings. I have my opinions, but I'll let you talk first. Sorry. I just, as soon as you mention it, the movie came screaming. You know how people say like they have like a near death experience and they see their life flashing before their eyes before they freaking go. Mm-hmm. That's literally what happened when you said Corella. The entire movie just flashed before my eyes. <laughs> it just. Uh, it just flashed like fire. Like. Literally everything I remember from Cruella just came brushing back. I was like, oh, God. I was just like, <laughs> okay. So, yeah, that literally was just what that face was. Just it coming <laughs> rushing back to me. Because I completely forgot about Cruella. I was like, oh, yeah, okay. So, go ahead. Yeah. And then I'll uh, you my shit. Funny enough, my brother had a similar reaction when I told him. It's like, uh, I had said that I had seen Cruella at theaters. And he just looked at me like, why did you watch that? <laughs> My biggest problem with that movie is that it was trying to be everything but Cruella, in my mind. Like, in some aspects, it was trying to be, like, it's uh, Disney's version of Joaquin Phoenix's Joker. uh, But at the same time, trying to be, like, a a mix of, like, the animated series Joker, even though Disney has no connection to DC whatsoever. Um, In other aspects, it felt like uh, an origin story film to the character, uh, to the anime character Fujiko Mine from Lupin the Third, where she's this sort of, like, expert thief that has, like, uh, uh, this knowledge of, like, these getaways or something, especially in the ending. Which, speaking of the ending, uh, this, this movie completely steals the ending of this, uh, this, uh, John Goodman Denzel Washington movie called Fallen, where Denzel Washington plays the devil and John Goodman plays this this detective trying to stop him. Uh, And it even begins and ends the same way, where it's like you hear the narration. uh, In this case, it's uh, Cruella saying it's like, uh, this is the tale of how Ella died and Cruella was born. And in Fallen, uh, Denzel Washington's character is like... um, I'm hearing the TV a lot more. Um, but yeah, uh, Denzel Washington's character, who plays the devil uh, in human skin, uh, says, like, this is the story of how I almost died. And at the end, he does get um, outsmarted by John Goodman by ingesting some kind of poison. But uh, uh, but by the end, uh, he uh, transports his body into a cat and he says, like, oh, don't you remember? I, this was the story about how I almost died. And they literally use the exact same song at the end, Sympathy for the Devil, by the Rolling Stones. Yeah, I was like, I, I was just looking at this like, you sons of bitches. Like, are you kidding me with this? Like, you had the balls to do that. And, and honestly, uh, I, I don't mean to cut you off, but it's like the the one thing I could tell, like uh, they wanted to make this like their own female Joker movie because 
this was directed by Craig Gillespie, who directed uh, I, Tanya with Margot Robbie. And... So, I have to say, I, I kind of saw I, Tanya. Uh-huh. I probably saw, like, middle-ish to end. Because mm-hmm. I caught it when it was on TV, and it was one of those movies I actually wanted to see from the very beginning, because I am a huge Margot Robbie fan. Yeah, and watching Corella, it felt like they wanted to get her for this role, but she was like, no. So they just went and with another big-eyed actress. I am also a very, very big fan of the one who plays Itania's, or the, the, the mother in Itania, not... Allison Janney? I'm not a fan, yeah, I'm not a fan of, of, uh, of Tanya's mother. Not really a fan of abusive women, okay? <laughs> but the woman who plays her, I'm a huge fan of, huge fan of. Oh yeah, Allison Janney's a great she also, actress. She also starred in another movie that I absolutely love, um, oh god, what's that fucking movie? Tallulah. Yeah, Tallulah. I loved her character, Tallulah. I mean, that wasn't the only film I've ever seen her do. Because Alice and Jenny, one of the best actresses, in my opinion. Mm-hmm. Very, very talented actress. But yeah, I love, because I, I, I definitely am a huge fan of Margot Robbie. But uh, I, that was one movie I, I didn't get to see from start to finish. I wanted to, but I didn't get to see it. I only saw it. Um, uh, probably like except the middle-ish to like the end I didn't even see the entire thing so I just I needed to mention that mm-hmm. yeah um also uh one other bit that I forgot to mention uh was that uh the weird the the weird bit at the ending where it's like uh where it's like uh they have the Emma Thompson's character own these Dalmatians it's like uh that's the one thing I had, had the one question I was asking it's like were they implying that uh Pongo and Pertuta uh I forget if that's the the female dog's name but it's like are they implying that they're siblings because um, then that makes 100 of all one Dalmatians a little creepy um uh, okay because I, I have to say that that was one of the things I loved Emma Thompson alright mm. good actress very good actress. But a lot of people are going to hate me when I say this. This was her worst role yet that I've seen. Emma Thompson. The woman who played Corella's mother in Corella. The, 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 the fashion module that she was trying to embody. Yeah. Who turns her. out to be her mama. Yes, the one who was trying to be her mama. She, she, she got her, her, her adopted mother killed. Yeah. Um, Emma, I I love Emma Thompson, played several roles that I absolutely adore her in, okay? Yes, Harry Potter's one of them. Her character in Harry Potter might be really, um, off, Mm -hmm. (laughs) but she plays it, she played the the, 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 the teacher who was, uh, the psychic. Yes. But I can't stand her character in Cruella. Oh my god. I'm I'm done. I'm over it. I'm like, you know what? This is like probably one of your worst performances in my opinion. I just, I'm so over this. Honestly, it dragged on while I was like, okay, people, like, you're, you're, you're dragging this on way too long because I was actually starting to fall asleep during it because it was, it was just, 
Although it does raise a question, uh, better or worse than Anne Hathaway in the remake of The Witches? I can at least tolerate her performance a little bit more than Anne Hathaway's. Ah. Good to know. I love Anne Hathaway, but I'm sorry, she massively overacted that character to a T. She overdid it for me completely, and I'm like, uh... Yeah. Yeah, uh, that's the... That's oh, what, God, I loved her in this role. Yeah, that's the thing about it, is that, um... I thought Emma Thompson... Uh, excuse me, Emma Stone. <laughs> um, I, I... That is something I will give this movie credit for. The only thing that makes it worth watching is Emma Stone as Corella. Like, she... Oh, my God, you guys. Like, yeah, like, she really puts her all into this one. Like, she really... She goes for it. Yeah, I... Yeah, I can't falter for that. Um, but yeah, going back to the whole thing about like uh, the the dogs being inbred, I will have to admit it did remind me of like because like just thinking that they were um, uh, thinking that they were inbred, it did remind me of one of uh, my favorite Simpsons quotes, which uh, I'm gonna play right now. Hold on. Hi, fighter doggy. Can you do any tricks? Tricks? <laughs> That's rich. He's so inbred, he can barely stand up. Mm. <laughs> I'm sorry, I had to play that one. Because <laughs> I was... That constantly ran through my head when I was thinking about it. That I'm like, okay, I gotta use this. Uh, but yeah, do, do, do we need Why to... Why is it that when you said... When you played that quote, it reminded me of... Uh, the, the Egyptian King Tutankhamun. The Egyptian king and what? Tutankhamun? You don't remember that? That, 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 that King Tut? Oh, oh. <laughs> because historically speaking, uh, I think there is research in there that because of, um, I think in Egypt, it was not uncommon for um, family members to marry each other and to um, inbreed. Mm. Yeah. Um, and I think it, because he had a, one of the reasons why he died so young was because I, I think he had a, oh dear God, it was some kind of disease in his body. His, his bones were very, very brittle. I think because of the inbreeding. Ah. That went on in his family. And so when you played that, it literally reminded me of King Tut with the inbreeding and, and the whole... He's so inbred that he can barely stand up because I think the man freaking walked with a cane. Ah. I'm not even joking when I say this. As soon as you said... 
play of God, it literally reminded me of King Tut. Because it, oh, it was, he's the one where he can barely walk. That was basically King Tut. That's amazing. He walked. He he walked. I I just I, I yeah. Apparently, because his his bones were so freaking fragile, he really walked with a cane, and he didn't even make it to uh, past a certain age because of how bad his 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 disease was. Damn. Yeah. Lesson learned, people. Don't don't, don't get it on with your siblings. The more you know. Incest is not this, okay. <laughs> Incest is the worst nest. Moving on to your number six. So, again, I couldn't fit all I like all movies I've seen because like it, that would be like a top twenty, okay? And honestly, I don't even know if all the movies I've seen would even fit on the top twenty because I didn't. I completely forgot about Corella too. So you said something. <laughs> but Corella probably would be on my list as well. Hey there, folks. Uh, Eric here. Uh, just wanted to give a bit of a post-editing um, kind of update here. Uh, so. From this point on, it's going to be uh, mostly me and Melissa talking about uh, my worst films of 2021 as uh, the rest of her list from 6 to 1, uh, as we uh, discussed, was her uh, worst to best uh, list. So what I did is uh, her 6 through 1 that we'll be discussing is actually going to be featured on the uh, best of 2021 list, so uh, be on the lookout for that. Uh, anyways, uh, let's enjoy the rest of the video. Number six of my uh, least favorite films of 2021, my pick for the worst action film, F9, or Fast and Furious uh, 9. I haven't seen that. Uh, I've barely even seen clips, to be honest with you. So here's the thing. I watched the first film ages ago. <laughs> it's 20 years old at this point. I saw it ages ago. Like, by the time it's 21, it could finally join Dom in a corona. Um, and then, um, when I found out, because I was young and, uh, weirdly loyal to actors, and, and I just, I kind of wanted the same actors because that was my comfort zone. Yeah. If a certain actor was playing a certain character, I wanted them to play that character in just my comfort zone kind of thing. When I found out that they had switched actors, I was just like, I'm done, kind of thing. Kind of mm -hmm. like what some people did with the whole, um, oh my god, Stranger Things when, when her, her friend got killed off the first season. Oh, yeah, Barb. Yeah, Barb. I, I was one color Brenda for a second. Brenda. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know why. Just Justice for Brenda. Yeah, uh, some some people completely stop watching the, the series after the first season of Barb, um, which I totally get. I totally understand. That basically was what happened with me after uh, the first uh, Fast and Furious movie. Mm. I probably could get into it if I went back, because it's going to become such a huge, massive thing that, you know, whatever. But yeah, I haven't seen follow the series since the first movie uh, so i will say I'm this way yeah um i will say this um if you actually do get into the series because like uh, they do bring vin diesel back uh uh to co-star with paul walker uh by the time they do the fourth film uh which is uh here's the thing four five and six are prequels to the third movie 
And then uh, number seven is like uh, the first continuation after the third film because uh, there was a character that supposedly died and then comes back. Uh, supposedly died and then uh, the seventh film is about avenging him. And then I would recommend stopping because this it just gets worse from there. Oh, that's putting it lightly. Like this new installment is like one of the dumbest written films i have ever witnessed like because the supposed character i'm talking about that that get that gets killed off uh han um he comes back in f9 and uh a lot of people were speculating it's like oh okay is he like um this uh, super soldier that got like uh put back together because of like nanotechnology like they uh were kind of hinting at with the film with the spinoff uh hobbs and shaw um, but as it turns out, no. In reality, in the movie's reality, it turns out Han faked his death by working with the, the same super spy agency that the, the fast crew, uh, gets recruited in in the seventh movie. And then, uh, it turns out that the, uh, original rogue agent that they were after, uh, Jason Statham's character, wasn't, uh... Uh, was actually working under the same organization themselves. Uh, himself uh, was helping fake Han's death, and then he goes after uh, Vin Diesel and his friends uh, be, uh, to avenge his brother as sort of like an offside thing. But as it turns out, Jason Statham wasn't the original rogue agent. It was uh, John Cena who plays Vin Diesel's brother. That one scene where they explain how Han is still alive is some of the most confusing and infuriating bullshit I have ever witnessed in a movie. And on top of that, they also kind of, like, negate a lot of, like... Because, like, most of the most of the later films, like, uh, Seven and Onward, have, uh, Vin Diesel has been saying that he was making them out of respect for Paul Walker after he had passed away in a car accident, tragically. Um, and I can understand, like, them trying to finish up number seven, like, in his memory, because, like, that... Because that was, like, the last time they were actually, like, really working well together and happy. But then, at the end of the movie, like, because they... At the end of the... At the end of Seven... They let his character, like, go live his life, uh, with his family. But then, at the end of this new one, uh, they decided to bring... They decided to hint that, oh, here comes Paul Walker driving up to the barbecue. End credits. Also, there was a lot of moments where it's like, we thought that this movie was gonna embrace some of the stupidity and just be like, you know what? Let's just throw every sh everything at the screen and then just have fun with it. But no, there are several times where like they're acknowledging all the crazy things they've been through, and they're all uh, like they're saying it's like maybe we're all super soldiers, and then the rest of them is like, nah, that's not true. We're all just lucky. And I'm like, are you kidding me? Like you had the last film with the Rock and Jason Statham be about them going against Idris Elba, who's like, uh. Captain America or something and it's like uh, trying to stop a virus that could kill half the population although at this point uh, nowadays it's not that far-fetched a virus that could kill half of the, half of the human population but it's still it's like come on embrace the craziness is all I'm asking but they don't 
Like, even when they actually do shoot Ludacris and Chris, uh, Ludacris and Tyrese Gibson into space in a Pontiac Fiera, it's like, I'm not enjoying this. This is stupid. And not in a fun way. Yeah. I think uh, I stopped listening after you said that it gets worse. <laughs> I was just like, you know, I'm just gonna let it continue to rant, even though I'm not getting half of what it, it should be saying here. I don't blame you. I, it's hard I'm trying to like, explain this shit. But but it was it was quite entertaining watching you try. <laughs> Thank you. All right. Uh, so I, I, I'm 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 kind of done with that one. All I gotta say is like they're making one last. Uh, Fast and Furious movie. I hope it's the last so that way we can stop doing these goddamn movies. Um, but moving on. Uh, hey everyone. Uh, just wanted to give a quick edit here. Uh, I had actually forgotten to talk about my number five spot on this list. So, uh, unfortunately, uh, this is one edit that I'm gonna have to make where, uh, Melissa doesn't have any commentary. Um, but for my number five on my worst of the year list, it was going to be Old, directed by M. Night Shyamalan. Uh, we did talk about this briefly in the beginning, uh, just to kind of give my quick five cents. Um, yeah, the movie really was not good, and it really hurt me as someone who was a fan of M. Night Shyamalan. Uh, I mean, the concept was interesting, even though it was very flawed, um, but the whole overall film was just an uncomfortable mess and not in the good way. Uh, one of the worst parts about it for me was that there was technically a child uh sex scene and birth uh, it's like uh, i mean technically it was done with adults but it's like the they technically still had the mentality of children which uh, still when you have that in your head it like makes it really uncomfortable and there were just a lot of moments like that where it's like the the framing of time just like doesn't make a whole lot of sense and that while there were some creepy moments in it that actually did work to its advantage it just felt like this weird like this mishmash of uh, horror elements and political statements that it wanted to make, but it was just like so awkwardly written and performed that it just did not come off as genuine. Um, there was even a moment in which uh, one of the main characters, uh, you know, starts to develop Alzheimer's and then keeps referencing a Marlon Brando, Jack Nicholson movie yet couldn't remember the name and like no one is even bringing it up and it's like the more he constantly brings it up the more it comes off as hilarious like it, it just could not be taken seriously it was not a pleasant movie to sit through and the twist that they have at the end it's definitely the worst Shyamalan film I've seen since probably the last airbender uh and it's really sad because like I really loved how he was making this comeback with split the visit and glass which i will admit i actually did really enjoy like i know a lot of people were really disappointed with it but for me i thought it was pretty good um but yeah it's like this one just like was a real disappointment to me i i will give him credit for at least trying to get a uh, a film done during the pandemic especially with such a limited cast and so i can applaud him from that sense but overall it's just not a good movie i would recommend uh, now moving on to, uh, at my number four worst, I've got Tom and Jerry. Never seen it. I don't recommend it at all, because... Clearly, clearly, yes. Yeah, uh, let's just say this is one of, one of those kids' movies that you can tell is made by a lot of people who don't respect children, and 
clearly thinks they're a bunch of idiots. I, I would say it got uncomfortably racist, but because like he, here's the thing: a lot of the, a lot of the an, most of the animals in this movie are two D anim are are all animated, so that even like like the elephants, the dogs, the cats, like every uh, the birds, and, and it just got me thinking. It's like okay, what happens if they serve somebody a steak? Is that from a cartoon cow or something? Do they have to look into its uh, sentient eyes before they slaughter it? Like, questions like that were just, like, popping in my head, like, just making it really uncomfortable. Um, uh, See, but when, uh, usually when you add uncomfortably racist, that's usually not a good quality. Oh, yeah, that's what I was just going to bring up. Uh, here's the thing. Um, a lot of the uh, alley cats uh, that you see in this movie, or actually a lot, uh, uh, they're voiced by uh, uh, people of color and, like, even doing, like, stereotypical accents. Like, there's a bunch of alley cats that go up and, like, kind of gang up on Tom after he gets kicked out of the hotel that Jerry snuck into. It it's like trying to be, like, a metaphor, like, a, oh, these cartoon cats are, like, a metaphor for black people. And it's, like, it's weird because the director, Tim Story, is black himself. So it's, like... What what are you trying to imply, dude? Like this is 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 this an executive decision or do you actually think this would be funny and and good representation? Because if you're thinking the latter, you failed miserably. All right. Yeah. Um. Because Tom and Jerry is one of those uh, cartoons that like works as like just one uh, one time shorts, like at seven minutes at most. To do like a feature film just doing the same old tired cat and mouse jokes, it, like, it gets boring. Like, seriously boring. And the one moment where it's like, I knew this film was going to be high on my list was they do, you know the whole uh, cartoon dust cloud where it's like a bunch of characters get into a fight, but it's like this big cloud of smoke and it's like you see like one fist come down and back into the cloud? Yeah. They do that in this movie where it's like, uh, the do there's a big bulldog that sees... Uh, Tom and then goes after him and it it creates this like this big hurricane that then pulls in Michael Pena who's the, like the hotel manager and he goes oh no and gets sucked into the hurricane and it ends up destroying the hotel lobby and in the middle of this hurricane he sees Jerry like oh the mouse is still in the hotel you didn't do your job Chloe Moretz oh Jesus like who who was this movie made for? Because I feel like it wasn't even meant for children. Especially especially when they do a joke where it's like they have the dog literally pee in the middle of the street. Uh, yeah, and it, it, it was just not funny at all. Like, I, I... I would say, like, go watch the regular shorts, but it's like, I don't even feel like recommending that now. You ruined Tom right. and Jerry for me, movie. <laughs> Alright. Yeah, um... I think that's all I got to... Like, the, they even did a Tom and Jerry movie back in the 90s where it's like they actually do talk. That was a lot more interesting than this one. Like, go watch that instead. It even has Big Bon playing Tom. Okay, what's your number three? <laughs> okay, um... My number three is, uh... Oh god, I have to talk about this thing. Uh, number three is Ted Bundy, American Boogeyman. And I've never seen it, but I'm guessing you could. You, you, I'm sure you probably could have guessed I was gonna, I was gonna say that. So. 
All I have to say is I owe a huge apology to Zac Efron because when I saw his film, I thought it, it, it was on my worst of the year list that, that year. Um, watching Ted Bundy, American Boogeyman, all I got to say is it makes the Zac Efron movie look like fucking Zodiac. This is directed and written by Daniel Ferens, who made The Haunting of Sharon Tate, which I said was the worst film of that year, and honestly, the worst film I'd ever seen. Like, this guy is a fucking awful person, and just an awful filmmaker. Like, because he even argued with Sharon Tate's surviving sister, saying it's like, oh, I had a reason to make this movie because I was born the same year as when the murders happened. Which, by the way, I've looked at the dates. He was born a month after it happened, so it's like, what kind of connection do you have, jackass? Uh, but secondly, this guy just doesn't... He just doesn't have any respect for murder victims, and it's just like trying to... Like, I've seen better directing and acting and real-life crime drama murder retellings from like the uh, from like Investigation Discovery... Like, that whole channel that's all about true crime stories. The, the, there's a point in which uh, Ted Bundy ends up picking up a girl, and it's like, later on, you, like, see him literally throw a decapitated head in the trunk. Like, dude, that is disgusting. Like, even even if that actually did happen, it's like, I don't... That's That happened to someone in real life. That's gross. Like, at least the Zac Efron movie had the... Had, had the decency to like hint at it but not actually show it uh, but, and the acting in this like is just so awful especially from Chad Michael Murray who plays Ted Bundy like like I, I, I've barely seen this guy uh, this guy's work like back in the day but it's like he it, he in this film is just awful and there's at one point where it's like he almost captures somebody but they end up getting away after escaping handcuffs and there's a point where it's like he's out in the open out of the middle of nowhere in this town and a van comes pulling up like an unmarked van mind you and the girl comes rushing towards the unmarked van and she survives getting hit by a crowbar which by the way I looked up that never happened in real life so it's like, so it's like, okay, first of all, how are you still able to survive after getting hit in the head with a crowbar and still run? And number two, it's like, you go into an unmarked van, like, uh, yeah, this is just one of those films where it's like, it's just so uncomfortable and so infuriating to talk about, like, uh, because it also follows this uh, one cop who is leading the investigation and uh, she talks to this one agent in the FBI about Ted Bundy and it kind of makes it implied that uh, the cop is the one who came up with the term serial killer even though the FBI and the FBI and it's implying that the FBI agent probably stole it from her when in reality that wasn't the case at all it's like he actually did coin the term serial killer um Hold on, I'm gonna look up uh, the guy's, uh, the FBI agent's name if I can, real quick. But oh, oh, actually, uh, looking at the uh, looking at the cast list, I forgot they got Lynn Shay in this movie. Um, I don't know if you know who she is. Uh, Lynn Shay? 
Yeah, uh, she was in the uh, Insidious movies. Uh, she was also in... Um, uh, what else has she done recently? Um... Oh, I actually think I do know because I think there's one movie that I've seen her, her in and it's There's Something About Mary. Oh, uh, wait, was she in that? Who did she uh, play? I think she played the roommate with the dog. Huh. I... It was honestly kind of gross, but whatever. Yeah, I, um... I, I don't... I, I never finished that movie, so it's like I, I wouldn't... I wouldn't know that, but that's an interesting bit of trivia. Yeah, she, she played, uh, the, the, uh... She played Mary's roommate, um... And, and I think it was her roommate. She, she basically lived, if it wasn't her roommate, she basically lived in, like, the same, uh, like, building or whatever that she, that Mary lived in, so yeah, it, uh, but she basically was very close to, um, Cameron, Cameron Diaz's Shall we, uh, now move on to, uh, your, uh, what number are you on? But I'm kind of letting you finish your list of, um, movies you can't stand. <laughs> Fair enough. <laughs> Before I go into the rest of the movies that I actually really loved. Okay, yeah, we we can try and end this on a positive note. Um, but anyway. I was actually going to say, we have to possibly split this into like two parts. I was going to have you finish your list and then record like the other good movies on another day because it's like, it's 1.16 a.m. over here. Got it. Um, and it's 10.16 here. But uh, yeah, I'll uh, I'll finish up my list tonight. All right, so um, okay, so to kind of round my list out, let's go into uh, my number two because uh, I've been juggling with like the the top two. I had to go put uh, I had to put number one as like the most offensive movie I've seen, um, and the other one is like a close runner up. Yeah, uh, l let's get into it. Uh, number two is Dear Evan Hansen. Yeah, I remember you were telling me that you hated that movie. I was grossed out by that movie in ways I was not expecting because I I never listened to the soundtrack for the the original Broadway musical which now I'm thinking about it how this got so many Tony Awards I don't not I I, I don't understand how because like do you know what this movie's about uh, I've done some research but I've never actually uh like I've done some research after the play because when I, I heard so here's the thing I you weren't the only one who mentioned distaste for it because at the time that it came out at my theater um my coworker who is like I'm just like a movie guru okay I, he very very young this dude reads a lot of reviews he does a lot of research on films stuff like that and he also is really really into animation so not gonna lie to you he's probably gonna be a guest on our little podcast in the future especially when we start doing anime we start diving into animation mm -hmm. um because usually when he inter usually when he told me about a film that I should see, or that he was recommending me to watch like that, I, and I saw the film he was recommending, he would always, he would always ask me for my opinion, and he would generally be interested in what I actually had to say about it. Mm -hmm. So we, like, literally went into, like, genuine, like, deep conversations about, like, the film, what we liked, what we didn't, etc. 
Um, so yeah, like I said, he'll probably be like a future Gaston, especially when we do like um, Demon Slayer. He was massively for Demon Slayer, and he also gave me a list of like animation for beginners, a l long list of it. Uh, so that way we can actually check that out. Um, <laughs> I have no idea. Uh, sorry. Um, so yeah, he'll definitely pro he'll probably be uh, definitely. Um, be a guest, like I said, like I said three or four fucking times, number, who cares? Um, however, I one thing he mentioned to me because I didn't even um realize there were issues around the weed until he said something until he said something to me first because um he mentioned it and then I think shortly after he mentioned something, you also mentioned something right after that. Mm -hmm. But he I guess mentioned that a lot of people really so I can't remember the entire, what he said word for word, but I remember him saying basically the gist that a lot of people were really angry with the film because there were certain songs that they did not include into the movie that they that, that came from the play itself that was kind of vital as to why the character did the things that he did. And it was it, it, basically the them taking out certain songs that came that were vital for Broadway them taking them out kind of distorted the message of the film and a lot of people were very much complaining about that I've never seen the Broadway play or the movie um, knowing how many people were upset with them taking songs out of the Broadway play I didn't feel it was appropriate for me to see the movie without having had the backstory of the Broadway play behind me. Because I didn't want to go in with not knowing what the entire thing is about, and on top of that, the closest thing I would probably get to seeing the Broadway play is probably reading the play. But I'm not willing to spend a whole lot of money <laughs> just to read a Broadway play. Because usually most of those Broadway plays you have to spend money on to, to read the plays and stuff like that. I'm not willing to do that. So, sorry if that offends anyone, but I decided not not mm -hmm. want to do that right now. Maybe sometime in the future when I actually have the money, but not right now. But yeah, so when, when I found out that they were, I just decided not to see it until I probably saw the, the Broadway play itself, or I read mm -hmm. the play. So, for me, uh, the movie kind of... Um, got pushed back until I had more backstory. Yeah, but I definitely cause... know that he mentioned certain, um, he, he mentioned that you mentioned it, and then I just realized, okay, yeah, no, I'm not going to see this film just because I don't need my mind getting distorted by the facts with what the movie wants wants you to believe it's about and what the actual Broadway play is supposed to be about. Yeah, because what like, kind of like the whole thing with, with with education, like with what really happened in history and what they just want you to know in history. Yeah, because kind of like that sort of mentality. So yeah. Yeah, I get where you're coming from. Uh, because like watching the movie, it's like it left me incredibly uncomfortable. Like it, because. Watching, uh, going into this, it's like, it's basically about an introvert, uh, pretending to have been friends with a kid who committed suicide, which already in that is kind of gross. It's like, but 
I do get what they were trying to imply, because, like, saying it's like he was only doing this to, like, uh, satisfy the mother, but it's like, with how far he takes this lie is just... It just leaves you just not liking this character, because, like, it gives the impression, like, you can lie about being friends with someone who committed suicide, and thinking that that's okay, as long as you're just doing it, just to help the mother who's suffering, not wanting to let them know that their kid wasn't a loner. It's like, no, it's like, you're both, both horrible people, because you're both lying about the, the actual victim's lives. It's like... In the movie, he meets the kid. Uh, he meets the guy who committed suicide uh, right beforehand, and uh, he's the only person who signs his cast. And uh, he then reads the note that he wrote, that he printed out for therapy. Which number one, why are you printing out your therapy letter at school? Why did you just email it to your therapist? It's like this is this is ridiculous. And then he reads about the part about. Um, how Evan Hansen has the hots for his sister. No, 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 not Evan. Evan Hansen doesn't have a sister, but it's like the suicide victim has a sister who, uh, uh, who Evan kind of crushes over. And it's like when the brother is reading that out, it's like, at, at that point, it's like, considering that's the last encounter he had with anybody, it's like, I assumed he probably committed suicide because he thought people have more, uh, more attention towards his sister than they do him. Especially since he died with the note in his pocket. Ben Platt, to me, is... I'm sorry, this this guy's an awful actor. I'm just gonna say that right up. I know he's probably done, like, other things out there, like, Pitch Perfect, but it's like, in terms of a leading role, he's terrible in this. Like, he's giving off one of those performances, like, he's working as, like, uh... He's trying to give a stage performance on film, where it's like, you can tell, like, he's trying to, like, force tears out, like... Like, I swear to God, like, even on Twitter, it's like, it looked like, um, Kyle Rottenhouse kid who's, like, trying to pretend to cry for the judge because, it's like, even though he killed people, it's like, he's trying to gain sympathy. It's like, what, was Evan Hansen the last movie you watched, Jackass? Like, I'm now starting to believe that anyone who makes that expression on film is like the, I know I committed a crime, but I don't want to admit I'm the wrong person. Mm-hmm. And your face is so shocked. I didn't... I, I'm a victim, too. Shortly after you released that thing, you were Shortly after you released that thing, you were Yeah, um, 
another thing that really frustrated me was that when Ben Platt was hearing a lot of the criticism about his casting when the trailers were released, because uh, bear in mind, he's like the son of Mark Platt, the Broadway slash movie producer and producer of this film. Uh, his Because, uh, like, a lot of people were criticizing the fact that he looks like a 30-year-old man in the movie with a bad wig. And uh, his response was like, uh, Oh, well, uh, back in the movie Grease, they casted 25-plus-year-old uh, people, and it's like, that's revered as a classic. First of all, you're showing your age, buddy. Second, you're also admitting to this being a, nep uh, a nepotistic casting, because, like, you're saying, like, because, like, they were also admitting it's like, if it wasn't for me, my daddy wouldn't have made the film. So it was like, either me or no film. Well, I would have preferred no film, buddy. But honestly, the worst character in the whole movie for me was uh, Amy Adams as uh, the victim's, uh, as the suicide victim's mom. Because she just comes off as, like, one of those people who it's like, uh probably would have turned to televangelist had it not been for evan hansen uh honestly like she gave off like that kind of persona and it's a real damn shame because like i do like amy adams and it's like but for the last few years like she is not she has not been getting the best uh the best roles in films lately like uh did you ever see hillbilly elegy the best way I can describe it is, like, imagine one of those, like, uh, weird Oscar bait movies that Saturday Night Live would make fun of, only they made it a real movie. It was like somebody watched Moonlight and said, hey, we can do a true story about a drugged up parent, but it's about a white hillbilly. Th that, that's I really don't know if I have a response to that. Yeah, it's, it, it's a really dumb movie, and what... I'm not going to get into that, because, yeah. Um, but yeah, if you're telling me, like, there were some songs that actually would have made Dear Evan Hansen a little bit more tolerable in terms of the story it's telling, probably, but after watching this movie, it's like, I don't exactly have any interest in in, in, in seeing the play now, because, uh, like, especially after listening to musical numbers... Especially the one where they. I'm sorry, the, hold on. The, let me just turn down a little bit. Um, especially at the moment where uh, they have, uh, they're pretending to write letters that the uh, the victim was supposedly writing to Evan Hansen, but was doing it anonymously to like try and hide it from his parents because that was their assumption, because they signed it like sincerely me. They do a dance number where it's like his, uh, his ghost through the uh, through the vision of these letters is talking to Evan Hansen, and it's like Evan Hansen's only friend in the movie kind of brings up a point that it's like the way you're writing these letters, it's like it's making it seem like the guy was gay and ashamed of it. <sighs> yeah. Um. And also, like, there are no repercussions for this guy other than the fact that. Oh no, I'm back to having no friends. Boo hoo! Like, grow up, you fucking bastard. Alright! Yeah, so that's my number two. Um. Anyways, uh. Shall I conclude with number one? Sure! Go ahead. Number one is music. Uh. 
before I get into it, have you heard anything about this movie? I was just about to Google it. Okay, yeah. Yeah, one thing you should know about it is that it's the filmmaking debut for Sia as a director and writer. And it is the most directly offensive movie I have ever seen. Uh, is this supposed to be a movie about, like, her childhood growing up? No. No, no, no. That actually would have made... Uh, if if that actually happened during her childhood, that would have been something interesting. But no, it's about this um, drugged-out pop star trying to rehabilitate herself who now has to take care of her autistic sister after her mom dies of a drug overdose. And let's just say the way they portray autism in this movie is so stereotypical, it it practically is like the blackface of autistic acting, or acting like an autistic person. Okay, that explains why uh, Maddie Ziegler is in this movie, because Maddie, she, like, it seems Sia refuses to work with anyone else but Maddie Ziegler anymore. Yeah, because apparently they did, uh, I've read up that they tried getting an autistic actress to play this character, but apparently got a little overwhelmed, like, probably because she didn't want to actually do the sort of things that Sia wrote in this script. But, and even Maddie Ziegler had admitted at one point that she didn't want to do some of the directing in this movie, but considering she already signed the contract, she had no other choice to do it. And, but to me, it's like, it doesn't change the fact that it's like she still took part in that, and it just feels gross. There's even a scene in this where it's like, they try to justify restraining her down after she's having an autistic meltdown. And the way it's presented is like saying like, oh no, this is a good thing to restrain people down. It's like, despite the fact that this has literally killed people in the past... Like, not just autistic people, but neurodivergent people as well. Because, like, restraining someone down and restricting their movements or any part of their body is, like, what got people like George Floyd killed. Like, it may not be, like, the exact move, move, uh, motions of, like, putting your, uh, like, kneeing on somebody's neck. But it's, like, still, if you're restraining somebody down, that's not good. I'm seeing one of the uh, news things here about the movie saying Sia was suicidal after backlash to me to music film. Which, uh, oh yeah, I have to get to that. Because, like, when people were calling her out on this um, before the movie came out, saying it's like, hey, this does not look acceptable at all, her response was, like, to tell him, it's like, no, you're wrong. You just need to watch the movie and actually... No, that it was actually beautiful. And then when it actually did come out, a lot of people were, like, all that backlash amplified. And she even got into cyberbullying uh, actual autistic people who were calling her out on her bullshit. And it got to the point where it's like even her fans were starting to dogpile on those autistic people. Like, it was disgusting. Even one person who, like, said it's like... Because, like, uh, saying, so, like, I've been struggling uh, to try and get roles as an autistic actress. And her response is, oh, well, maybe you're just a bad actress. Like, excuse you? Uh, give me just, like, two minutes here. I'm going to real quick watch the trailer for this movie. Go ahead. Be my guest. Ugh. <sighs> 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 What else was I going to mention? Um, 
but yeah, <laughs> I I mean, like, for her to like have this kind of response is like just gross. Uh, hmm? Is Kate Hudson supposed to be the one that's autistic, or is uh, Maddie Ziegler? Maddie Ziegler. Yeah, Kate Hudson plays the uh, drugged-up sister. Or re rehabilitating sister, I should say. <sighs> um, because, like, uh, for her to have, like, this attitude of, like, saying it's like, oh, she knows more about uh, filmmaking than, like, all these other people on Twitter who were calling her out, it's like... All right, well, as somebody who has a BA in film studies and also is autistic, it's like, I can definitely say her movie was offensive and fucking garbage. And while I'm at it, Kathy, Kathy Griffin can go fuck herself as well because, like, she said, oh, shame on you people for, like, uh, not understanding what she was going through because she found out she's on the autism scale herself. First of all, it's not a scale. It's a spectrum. And number two, that makes it worse. Because it's basically like saying, hey, uh, this black filmmaker should be uh, allowed to do, like, uh, minstrel shows uh, because, like, they're black and they're allowed to do it. Like, no, that doesn't make it okay. That's reinforcing bad stereotypes that we're trying to get past. Um, I have a cousin who actually is autistic and... Um, so, I, mind you, it's been years since I've actually interacted with this, with this, uh, with my cousin, mm -hmm. but, um, I don't know how far on the spectrum or where on the spectrum Maddie Ziegler's character is supposed to be, but... I almost don't want to say this, but I almost want to feel like I want to tell her to stick to dancing because I don't know how much research she went into researching on how to play, you know, the mannerisms with, with autistic kids and, and, you know, all of that. Because one thing that, and I don't even know if they covered this in the movie, but one thing that is very, um, common among a lot of autistic individuals that I've met, they oftentimes have um, stimming patterns. Right. And because one thing, my uh, I had a co-worker who, autistic, although he was what they refer to as high-functioning autistic, or high-functioning autism. Mm -hmm. Like me. My, uh, I have an, uh, one of my other best friends uh, who lives in Illinois, he's also autistic, although he himself has said he's high-functioning high autistic. When it comes to a lot of autistic people, though, I mean, not all, but a lot of them have this thing with stimming. They, they um, I have another co-worker currently who is autistic, although... Honestly, I don't, a lot of people are going to hate me for saying this, I kind of don't know why theater keeps him around, because he literally just gets paid 
to eat popcorn, drink soda, and basically sit on the couch in the uh, break room. I'm not joking when I say this. He doesn't really do a whole lot. There's been times when he's been asked to do stuff. He's been asked to clean. He will clean, like, he'll maybe pick up two, three, four soda cups, maybe two or three popcorn bags. The entire theater, the rest of the theater needs to be clean still, and he leaves to go for the 50th break of the day for him to go fill up popcorn, go fill up his soda, and just do that 50 times a day at the theater. Sitting, sitting on the same exact spot, on the couch, in the break room, and the thing is, is with this guy, and I'm not going to lie to you, it's really, it's really unnerving. He has, and I'm not trying to be insensitive here, but he has this tendency to, when he sees you, or when he's trying to interact with you, or is trying to get the curse interact with you, he literally will just stare at you while eating popcorn, okay? I remember being on my lunch break one day at work. I was trying to eat my lunch, and he's literally sitting there in the same spot that he always sits in, on the couch, staring at me while eating popcorn, not blinking, not looking down, just staring at me. Hmm. And I was close to saying, can I help you? Because it was really uncomfortable, really unnerving. As okay, clearly, obviously, you have a disability. I wasn't sure what it was at the time, but yeah, and I'm like, I actually think that his form of stimming might actually be eating popcorn, believe it or not. That might sound silly, but I, I knew a co-worker at my other legal when I was working in Vegas. He was autistic, although had, um, I don't want to say better, but that's the only word that's coming to mind right now, some better communication skills and better social skills because he was able to form proper sentences, speak to you properly, be respectful, you know, he wasn't, um, trying to make people uncomfortable with the way he was looking at you, but I noticed one day when they took away our table that he started, he was sitting on a chair and he started praying um, at work. And mind you, I didn't realize what he was doing until it hit me that for him, praying may have been his form of stimming because when he was done praying, I think the table, before they took that table away from us, made him feel secure, made him feel comfortable, made him feel a little bit more safe at work. But when they took that table away from us, I think it made him feel slightly more uncomfortable and he didn't know what to do with himself. Walking, I noticed, started noticing uh, him walking around the theater very, very fast while saying the same, very, the same sentence over and over and over again. It was his mind's way of coping with his loss. And so he, when, when he was finished with um, his 
what he called prayers, which I didn't realize was a form of possibly a form of stimming. He was walking around the theater very, 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 very fast in circles, saying the same sentence over and over again to try and get back that comfort and that stability for him. So, um, that's one thing I'm noticing from this thing is she kind of looks in this, there was a point for me mentioning this, in the trailer with Maddie Ziegler's character, she looks very, um, out of it, very dazed, Mm -hmm. um, almost kind of like she's, I hate to say it, possibly high. <laughs> I hate to say it, but that's kind of like... No, 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 it's accurate to say, because, like, there, there are times where, because her performance, like, does not accurately portray it, right? So it's like, it just feels like she's just, like, on some sort of high, like, uh, uh, like that was the direction Sia gave her. Because yes, I know people are on a spectrum, mm-hmm. but there's also certain things that people who are autistic are kind of known for doing. Some people talk through music lyrics. Some people, I my cousin, she used to talk through Disney movies. If she wanted to with <laughs> her parents, she would oftentimes use the dialogue that she knew from Disney movies to communicate what she wanted with her parents. And my cousin would literally be having to figure out what Disney movie she saw recently in order to figure out what it is that her daughter was trying to communicate her, uh, with her uh, with. So they do certain things, you know, but um, like I said, when I, based on the trailer, I'm not going to see the movie, but doesn't look like a film I really want to see, to be honest with you, but... No, it doesn't. Um, it, it, um, yeah, based on the trailer alone, it kind of just, she made it seem like she was just really high on life and I'm like um did you really bother to do any any research even via Google or YouTube or even visiting like some kind of treatment for kids with this to actually see how they interact because it's like if you're trying to be portray someone who's what I know it's high functioning, but what is like the opposite? Like someone. I think the the term uh, that I'm looking for is like uh, someone who's like nonverbal, like someone who can't exactly like uh, normally speak. But the thing about it is, like when you brought up research, it's like uh, I think the uh, experts that Sia brought on to like uh, analyze autism were like people from like Autism Speaks, who like kind of uh, treat autism as like a disease when that's really not the case at all it's just like uh what's the way i want to put this um like uh a sort of outside the box kind of thinking method or some uh some people who like either take it literally or like uh, take it in a completely different direction that someone may not think about but for her it's like i mean there have been better examples of like autistic representation um for example, it's like uh, the two that come to mind in terms of like filmmakers on this side uh, were are Tim Burton and Steven Spielberg. Like, I actually remember doing a research paper back in middle school about Spielberg, and then when I found out that he had uh, 
high functioning autism it's like uh and i started talking about that with my family uh even my sister mentioned it's like oh yeah like what you have and i was and that kind of took me up guard realizing it's like oh so someone like me could become uh, a f interesting filmmaker like spielberg like that was one of the reasons why i got into theater and film to begin with so it's like there are examples of like uh, uh autistic representation that have been done well like uh like, like, the best example that I can think of is, like, uh, one of Tim Burton's first films, uh, Pee-wee's Big Adventure. Or, um, heck, even something like uh, Beetlejuice or, uh, what's another good example? Um, um, actually, the guy who played the brother, Mary's brother, on Something About Mary. Oh, oh, okay. High function... I don't know where on the spectrum he's at, but I do believe that he is supposed to be autistic, and he, um, I, because he, he actually mentioned he spent a good deal of time in, like, the, those, um, I don't want to say facilities, but I don't know what else to call them, um, where they help autistic individuals, and he spent a good chunk of his time learning about their mannerisms, their behavior, what makes them tick, stuff like that, so, and he portrayed that performance incredibly well, um, another one, I don't know if you mentioned this or not, Rayman, or Rain Man, or whatever? Yeah, Rain Man is a bit of an outdated example, but it is one that, uh, it is one that at least, uh, does it a lot better than what, uh, films like music do. I mean, hell, even Ghostbusters, because, uh, like, Dan Aykroyd is uh, is technically autistic as well. So it's, like, even something like Ghostbusters is a better example of, like, autistic representation, if you ask me. I guess there's a couple of movies here. Um, I haven't seen a good portion of these, but... Oh, um, I guess Dear John, I, the, the, the guy who plays... Uh, her father on Dear John, I think, either that or it's, it's, it's him, um, that and possibly there's, there might be another movie with Mila Kunis and Justin Timberlake, where Justin Timberlake's father might Friends be with benefits? Are you thinking? Yeah. Yeah, okay. I think oh, yeah, because... Yeah. Is that, are, is that Woody Harrelson who plays the dad in the film, or is he playing a different character? No. Playing a different character, the guy who I oh god, what what is his name? I know um oh uh um I don't know what disability he was supposed to have in this film, but Leonardo DiCaprio and what's eating Gilbert Grape? Uh, technically yes, but uh, I think it was like a very uh, low functioning form of autism. I'm trying to remember this. Uh, Richard Jenkins or Jenkins or or, or, or oh. Uh, Sean Penn? Uh, yeah. With, with, with him uh, playing playing uh, an artistic character. He, I, mm -hmm. In my opinion, he played a damn good character in that film. Definitely a lot better version. 
version of that. Um, I mean, hell, like, uh, I've seen a lot of people, like, especially on TikTok, argue that um, Joaquin Phoenix's uh, Joker actually is technically autistic. And after thinking about that for a while, it's like, yeah, I kind of believe that. From what I'm seeing, Forrest Gump apparently was supposed to be autistic. Yes. Um, which, honestly, based on the way you talked about it, I do believe that. Um, also, there was a character in... The, believe it or not, um, the Power Rangers movie. Yes, um, uh, Billy the Blue Ranger. Uh, that yes. that was actually uh, yeah. That's that's one of the reasons why I actually really enjoyed that movie because like that that was a better representation uh, of autism than anything than what Sia presented in her movie. And like I, I'm not gonna lie, I, I still like really enjoy that movie. I kind of thought that that movie was a little bit. Um, a little bit unbelievable because like they literally just find out that they're power rangers and then like what four freaking days later they're fighting crime like i can come on come on well it's like they spent four straight days trading it's like they did their best (laughs) i mean it's it's considering what it's based on it's like i i kind of had my expectations really low so it's like it met above that Really? I've never well. seen the movie, so I, I can't say... I, 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 I can't really say yes or no, but yeah. Um, so, but yeah, those are all, like, decent representations of, like, people who are autistic. Um, mm-hmm. At least I believe the one in Friends with Benefits, I believe he's autistic. I, he could just have another disability, but I believe he's autistic. Um, either that or maybe he just has... Um, Alzheimer's, but um, it's just but like with the other ones, yeah. There's like all these people who are like representing like autism or autistic individuals, you know, very very well. So I mean, I just I just I don't know. I don't. I understand wanting to be loyal and stick with people that you know and work with and stuff like that, but I don't know if going with Maddie Secret was the best option here. <sighs> yeah. So I don't really um. Have much else to say about that. Yeah, neither do I. Um, all I have to say about that is that the the Razzie Awards were very accurate. That Zia Sia definitely deserved worst director, and uh, Maddie Ziegler definitely deserved that Razzie for worst supporting actress. Like, especially considering her character is just used as a uh, plot device tool instead of an actual character, which is a lot of autistic people I've been trying to like move away towards. It's like we're we're actual people. Like like I said, it's like if people want uh, a better example of it, go watch any Tim Burton movie. You'll get a better representation from that. Because he actually is autistic, so he knows how to how to direct those characters a lot better. Alright, well, um, <clears throat> I guess that's a good point to like call it into there. So uh, that has been my top 10 worst films of 2021, as well as... Uh, uh, it's not even all of it's bad. It's just like I, I would say probably top three. Yeah. Really, the, the three I mentioned on here were like really freaking awful. Yeah. Yeah. Well, uh, well, you. All right. Uh, well, in that case, uh, that r- wraps up uh, this session of Thumbs Up or Down, You Decide. Uh, and until we meet again next time, uh, hopefully with our best of 2021. Um, 
Until then, I am Eric Turpel. I'm Melissa Leach. And we will hear from you guys later. Take care. Mm-hmm.